So we turn into Romans chapter 12. And we're reading from verse 9. Down to verse 21. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another. With brotherly love in honour, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Shall we just pray? Yeah. Our Father, we have brought before us in thy word Christian behaviour, Christ-like behaviour. In the exhortations of these verses, which are so precious and so challenging to us, for we note one toward another. This is true Christian fellowship. And all the things that we will consider one toward another. We ask thy blessing on thy word. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So the headlines of these verses, lots of these verses. We are talking about Christian behaviour. And Christian behaviour is, should be, par excellence, yes. <laughs> uh, but obviously we fail. But this is the standard. We have the standard. And the standard for us before us is Christ-likeness as well. So we're going to think about these things, verse by verse. Right at the top of the list is love. You would expect that to be at the top of the list, wouldn't you? Yes, good. <laughs> love 
is the most important thing. And so the headlines would be, love one another, honour one another, care for one another. That's principally what these verses are telling us. Uh, Apart from when we come to verse 17 to the end, it's also talking about Christian behaviour to non-Christians, those who are out in the world. We still have a Christian behaviour toward them. And there's some very challenging verses there for us all. Love those, do good to those who persecute you. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? And again, it's Christ-like love. Now it's significant that in John's Gospel, some of the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says this five times, This is my commandment unto you, that ye love one another. The last words of a person are very important, aren't they? And they set the bar, they set the tone. Love one another. And he also adds that extra quality to it. As I have loved you. There's the standard, isn't it? Love one another as I have loved you. We have been thinking about the wonderful character of the person of Christ this morning. As he walked amongst men. We have thought about his compassion. His kindness. His grace. His selfless love. Selfless love. That's the one that gets me. Because yes, we say, I love my brothers and sisters. We love one another. But always there'll be that self-rises. You know, me first. (laughs) It's always there, isn't it? Selfless love of the Lord. The constant love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Constant And as we look at later on, he wept with those that wept at the grave of Lazarus. He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, isn't it? Jesus wept. Wonderful things to think about, aren't they? But it says to start, let love be without dissimulation. Now that's a fancy word, isn't it? Dissimulation. What does that mean? It means let love be genuine, not hypocritical love. It's got to be genuine, one to another. In Colossians, we have Colossians 3, verse 12, where we are to put on bowels of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, that's very important. Meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. So that tells you that sometimes there is some conflict there and things not quite right. We have to forbear with one another, long-suffering, and forgiving one another. 
And then it says, add to all these things love. Because love is the bond of perfectness. It binds them all together. You should be doing all these things in love. That's the aim, isn't it? Do them in love. It's the bond of perfectness. The Amplified Version, and I like the Amplified Version, which says these words. Put on, wrap yourself in unselfish love. Which is the perfect bond of unity. Unselfish love. Let love be without hypocrisy. A ball which is evil. We do, don't we? We, we hate ungodliness. But cleave to that which is good. And then we have this expression, be kindly affectioned one to another. Peter mentions this when he, he says, add to this, add to that, add to the other. And he says, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And for a long time, I used to look at those words and, and I always used to say every time I read them, brotherly kindness and love, are they not the same? Because it says brotherly love. But obviously not. There's a difference between kindness and love. Kindness is tenderness. Tender mercies. It's much, you know, gentler, isn't it? It's, if I can use that expression. It can be described as devotedness one to another. Now there's a challenge for isn't it? Devoted one to another. That's a very strong word. Being kind. Have you come across Christians who have been unkind? The word also means friendly. Have you come across Christians who are unfriendly? I'm, I know I have, and I'm sure you may have as well. Yes, I remember when I joined an assembly at Parliament Street at Stockton. Uh, I wasn't in long, and got a very sharp, unfriendly response. And yet, and I'm thinking, ooh, what am I going to hear? Uh, it's out of order, isn't it? You've got to be friendly. Uh, and, and that's part of kindness. Be kind. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, isn't it? We can read that again ourselves. What love is. And the first thing it says is love is kind. Kindness. Goes a long way. Kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honour, preferring one another. Giving honour to ourselves. Very similar to what we read in Philippians, don't we? The very challenging words in, in Philippians. Let nothing... It's, first of all, it says, Fulfilling my joy, be like-minded, having the same love, 
being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind each esteem other better than themselves. So the scripture is telling us in honour, preferring one another. And it's each of us taking the lead to show honour to one and another. Yeah. It's not me wanting honour from you for the service I do to the Lord. It's me taking the lead and giving honour to you. That's the way it's round, isn't it? Not, I want the honour, please give it to me. No, you give it to others. We talked about Andrew's address. We're in the body of Christ. And we all have gifts in that body and we exercise those gifts. Do you know what gifts the Lord has given you? It's not pride to know what the Lord has given you. And you must take the responsibility of using that gift. So it behoves us to examine ourselves what gifts has the Lord given and use those gifts to his glory. Some people have a specific gift of showing mercy. Showing mercy. And people who are in dire need and tribulations and trials need that mercy. Need someone just to go alongside of them and you know, take hold of their hand and give them comforting words and be there for them. That's a mercy, isn't it? I always remember the story of of the Bristol man, yes, George Muller. When his wife died, he asked his friend to come over and see him. And his friend came over and seen him. And he sat all night with him. And he never said a word. Not a word, yes. But all George Muller wanted was someone to sit with him who he knew was a loving brother and was caring about him isn't that remarkable and sometimes that's all it takes there's lots of lonely Christians out there isn't there that would love for someone just to come alongside them and, and sit with them but when we think about these gifts listen to this we are to look at the saints to discover honourable features by which the saints contribute to the assembly. So I'm looking at you all now and I see all your honourable features by which you are contributing to this assembly. And as Andrew said, we, we cannot do without one another. We all have an essential part to play. Right? And it hurts, doesn't it, when we have members of our assembly who leave us. That hurts, doesn't it? It's very sad and when meetings fall out and when people get angry with each other and they disappear to another assembly and, and assemblies get decimated, it's all absolute tragedy and shouldn't be happening. And the root of it all is pride. Simple as that. Conflict comes 
from pride. A haughty spirit. So in honour, preferring one another. So let's give honour to one another, yes? That is precious too. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If you're slothful, you have a lack of definitive purpose to serve the Lord, yes? Are you going to serve the Lord slothfully? Are you going to say, you know, I've got a word to prepare, I've got a preaching to do, I can't be bothered today? <laughs> slothful. Not slothful, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That means diligent. Extremely diligent about the responsibilities you've got. Very enthusiastic, that's what it means. Some interpreters applied that to the spirit. A glow in the spirit, fervent in the spirit. Serving the Lord. Because for we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve our bosses at work. And we like to please our boss, don't we? And we do what we're told, which our boss tells us to do something at work. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't say I'm not doing that. <laughs> I also remember being a boss. I also remember one of my colleagues said, <clears throat> I just asked, you know, can you go and do this, please? And have this done for me. Uh, she just said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Simple as that. I am not doing that. <laughs> That's not the kind of response you want as a Christian, is it? You're going to honour your boss and you're going to do what you're told in the workplace. Because in doing what you're told, you are pleasing the Lord. Simple as that, really. Not slothful in business. Rejoicing in hope. We can always rejoice in hope, can't we? No matter what circumstances we're in, we've got that hope before us. And that's such comforting, isn't it, for everybody to know the glorious hope that we have. Patient in tribulation. Let's think of the many, many saints who are in tribulation. Members of our own assembly as well who are going through tremendous, difficult Days and times. And continue an instant in prayer. We need to pray for one another, don't we? Constantly. And we need to pray intelligently for one another. I always think of prayer as a challenge in this sense. Are you entering into the circumstances of that person? And I mean entering into that, the circumstances. That's true prayer, isn't it? You can easily say, I'm, I'm praying for Fred, I'm praying for John, bless him, you know, I'm praying for Julie, bless her. You know, enter into the circumstances of those you're praying for. Before God, you're praying for them. Epaphras is a, a lovely example of that, a Colossian 
He labored fervently in prayer for the saints that they might continue in the word of God. He labored in it and he labored fervently in it. His heart was in it. So continue instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints and given to hospitality. I don't do much hospitality, living on my own, and if you did come, you wouldn't be impressed, really. (laughs) Because I'm not able to bake lovely cakes, and so forth and so forth. Uh, You might get beans on toast or some chicken out of the oven. (laughs) But nothing special. But hospitality is important, isn't it? It's a a good mark of, of to do. And... Distribute necessity of the saints. We just discovered that with Malawi, haven't we? That the South African Christians have sent aid to Malawi. And that's what the early church did, didn't they? Churches that were suffering and etc. etc. They they sent aid to them. And some of them were, were so poverty stricken themselves, but they were still managing to send aid to other Christians. It's a good principle to have, isn't it? Giving. Distributing to the necessity of saints. And then we come to this verse. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, weren't they? He blessed those who persecuted him. Despite all that they'd done to him, as we've been thinking about this morning on the cross, what was his words? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. All that he suffered at the hands of men, and yet he's coming out with those words. Father, forgive them. Are we good at forgiving? Or do we bread a grudge? If you don't forgive, the Lord will give you no peace till you do forgive. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. That's great, isn't it? We, we like to rejoice with people who are doing well and being blessed. And we rejoice with them. However, some people could be envious at their joy. <laughs> because they haven't got it. So that's another issue for Christians. And weep with them that weep. Again, this is entering into the very circumstances of the ones you're weeping for, isn't it? Have you ever cried for a brother or sister? For the state which they're in? Have you ever looked upon a, a brother or sister and just felt totally inadequate what to say or what to do? and appalled by what you see. I remember a a sister a long time ago used to go visit in the home and the state she was in, she was just curled up like a fetus, couldn't move her legs, couldn't move her arms, uh, totally incontinent. And you're sitting there thinking and you're thinking the state she's in And what a mercy it would be for the Lord to take her home. 
we're centering into that, that circumstance isn't it? and feeling that weep for those who weep. And I've heard of a brother recently, I won't say names because it's on air, but brothers who's been told he's got one year to live. So by 2023, he'll be dead and with the Lord if the Lord has not come. Now what would that brother be concerned about when he's told that information? I'll tell you what he'd be concerned about. He'd be concerned about his family because he's leaving them. And he'd be concerned about his wife because she's going to be left alone. That's what he'd be thinking about. What would you do if you were given one year to live? You've just been given that information. What would you do in that year? How would your devotion to the Lord change? How would your attitude change? Everything would change, wouldn't it? You'd be seeking to get very close to the Lord in that year. Which really we should be doing all the time. But again, this is where prayer comes in. You've got to pray for these brothers and sisters of ours. Be of the same mind one toward another. Harmony with each other, yes. Mind not high things, condescend to men of low estate. Walk with the lowly. We're always talking about lowliness, aren't we? And our Lord Jesus Christ is the example of that as well. Walk in lowliness. Esteeming each other better than ourselves. Be not wise in your own conceits. Be not wise in yourself or your own opinions. If it be possible, as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Oh, sorry, I missed one out. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide honest in the sight of all men. But if it be possible... As much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not possible because people will hate you because you're a Christian. But where it's possible on our side, seek to live peaceably with all men. And then of course here, if you are being persecuted, the, the, you want to avenge, don't you? This is what the world is, isn't it? They avenge. Like the United States of America. Somebody kills so many thousands of their troops, they'll say, right, we'll go out and wipe out 1,000 of their troops. It's avenge, isn't it? Vengeance is the Lord's. It's not the principle Christians are going to do. So leave it to the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. And so doing, shall heap coals of fire on his head. That's a very strange expression, coals of fire on his head. It's a proverbial expression signifying retribution by kindness. It's interesting, isn't it? Retribution by kindness. Uh, in other words, treat your enemy kindly, 
And this may make him ashamed and lead to repentance. That's what it means. Treat them kindly. And hopefully it might lead them to repentance. It might not, but it could do. That's what it means by coals on their head. It's a proverb from chapter 25. Proverbs 25 verse 21. Now there's some examples of that uh, in the life of Elisha. Remember Elisha was there was the king of Assyria which was warring against Israel and Elisha was telling the the king of Israel exactly where these armies were and what they were doing and they were getting very frustrated about this and the king was saying who's the spy who's telling them where we are all the time he says they told me it's Elisha the prophet he knows where you are (laughs) all the time and So he sent his army to Dothan, where Elisha was, to surround the city. So the army of Assyria was surrounding the city. And Elisha simply said, smite them with blindness. So they were smitten with blindness. Then he led them right to Samaria, right in the midst of Samaria, to the king of Israel. The reaction of the king of Israel, they're his enemies. Shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And Elisha said, no. You feed them, you water them, make sure they find the clothes, and you send them on their journey. That's the same thing, isn't it? And it says the Syrians did not come back into the land. So that worked. This whole army was sent away, filled and watered. So that's an example, isn't it? David is another good example. On two occasions, he had his enemy in his hands, Saul, yes. He could have slain him in the cave, but it smote his heart to do so. And he could have slain him when the Lord put them all into a deep sleep and he took his spear, etc. But both times, David did not kill his enemy. He treated him good. So there's another example. And it did make Saul think a little bit and depart from him. And Saul actually used the word, thou art more righteous than I. So there's examples of that. Overcome evil with good. And as Christians we might have the capacity to be able to do that. Overcome evil with good. So all these exhortations are quite deep, aren't they? And there's lots of lovely examples. And one of my favourites is Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus was a Philippian who was gone to minister to Paul in his needs. And that man was so precious to Paul, he couldn't bear the thought that he was dying. Because in his, yeah, um, Epaphroditus was nigh unto death because of his service to the Lord. And Paul uses the word, the Lord have mercy on him and on me also. Because Paul didn't want to lose that man in death. Because he'd been such a blessing to him. And Paul says, hold that man in reputation and honour. Coming back to honouring one another. Hold that man in reputation and give him honour. Lovely examples, aren't they? 
And Nicephorus was another one. He ministered to Paul. He went to find him in prison. That could be a risky thing, isn't it? Because the, if the guards are watching who's coming to see this prisoner, you know, and are you associated with him, then we'll keep an eye on you as well. But he went and sought him diligently and found him. What a service to do, yes. What an example to us all of lovely fellowship, one to another. Let's take that expression home, shall we? One to another. What can we do? One to another. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do again thank thee for the blessings of thy word. And the blessings we're having